Hi there, welcome to the podcast. This week I'm with Violet. Violet has founded FemCity, and uh, you're going to find every link uh, in the description of the podcast below. I would not waste your time in telling you much, but you know, it was quite an interesting and, and fascinating conversation. And we had some parallels because of, you know, our nationality and our, uh, our origins. And it was quite interesting talk. I appreciate every minute of it. And so with Without further ado, here's Violet. But just before uh, playing my usual jingle, uh, I'm going to remind you to actually subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, let the podcast known to people so that people um, actually enjoy us as well as you do uh, listening to these episodes and every other. So here's Violet. Enjoy. Hi, Violet. How are you doing? Good, Alex. How are you? I'm doing great. I see you in Florida. How are things going? You know, like it's pretty much the elephant in the room right now. You know, like we're in such a weird situation that, you know, like I have to ask, how are you doing? Good. We are doing really well. Uh, we are in Miami and it's like 180 degrees, <laughs> like really hot already. And luckily it's, um, it's, been, it's been nice. I mean, we've been obviously staying home taking precautions, adjusting our lives during this time and doing a lot of family quality time together. Yeah. That's been really nice. Our daughter was, uh, our daughter was at floor in Florence, Italy, when we had to evacuate her to the States. And then our son lives in Berlin. So he also made it back. And then my husband works in New York city pretty much Monday through Friday. So everyone had to fly back within, it was like almost every week someone new was coming back home. Uh, and it's been really, you know, just trying to find the blessings in it all. Just trying to kind of have a positive outlook. And everyone's the, safe uh, and sound right now. The what? I'm sorry. Everyone's safe and sound right now. Everyone is safe and sound. Yeah. And we're awesome. enjoying our time. So it's, it's been, yeah, we're just look, trying to find the positives and everything that's going on. Oh, for sure. And you know, like it's, a, it's, um, it's kind of a, you know, like I, my wife has someone, one of her friends is here and, you know, like we discuss kind of, you know, like how weird that situation is and how tough it is to discuss this, you know, like in, in, in a sense that it, it became almost like talking money or religion, you know, like you, you, you people, you know, like some people are quite depressed about the situation and some people, you know, can have like a, you know, like a, a tempered, uh, decent discussion around it, but you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a delicate and, and tough situation for everyone, but no one reacts the same, you know, like, so it's, um, it's kind of a weird approach to it. You know, like you, you have to be close to those that you have discussion around this, you know, or else it could be right. kind of a short temper, you know, like or short fuse of, you know, like explosion and all. So, yeah, I mean, just happy to hear that, you know, like everyone's safe and everyone's good uh, around you. Um, as I do every week, um, I'm going to pretty much start this off by letting you open that first chapter of, of your life story book and tell me where do we start that? You know, like where do we start in terms of your upbringing, the, the, what, what made you, you and just 
that's pretty much it. You know, like I, 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 I let my guests, uh, open the page they want of their life story, uh, book. Oh, that's beautiful. So, um, yeah, I think I, you know, my, I'm first generation American. My parents are from Cuba and coming to, you know, I was the first one born here in the United States and growing up in a very heavily enriched Cuban culture. That was really wonderful. It was a great experience. Uh, lived in Chicago for a little bit of time, but I think really just, um, growing up and hearing, you know, the differences between, you know, my limitations of what I could achieve as a young girl because I was Cuban, because I wasn't American, because I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't look the same way as everybody else. And, um, I think, you know, when we moved to North Carolina, after I got married, we moved to North Carolina for 12 years and moved back to Miami. A lot of that experience really shaped me into embracing my Cuban culture even more so and, and reflecting on, how beautiful it was. I think I was like, when I was younger, I wish I was blonde hair. I wish I had blue eyes. Like I wish I had all these other things that, you know, you see on TV. And, um, it was really wonderful to come back home and just really be surrounded again by my Cuban culture and, and really appreciate it. Um, from the pivoting standpoint, you know, my mother, I, I talk openly about it. My mother was a drug addict. Uh, she was addicted, um, for most of my life up until my adult years. And she actually passed away from her addiction just recently last year. And I think that really played a part in forming who I am today. Um, obviously there's some good stuff that came out, you know, when you have those moments and you shift and you um, take control over your life and you understand that you have the ability to design the life that you want, but there were also a lot of dark moments when you start trying to struggle with those kind of conversations that come when you have a parent. What was your, what was your upbringing? Like, I mean, any siblings, any brothers and sisters in there? Um, and, and my guess is, you know, like when, when they, they were, I'm guessing refugees, um, how, you know, like what's that dynamic, you know, like of you, like going to elementary school and, and, you know, like there's too many, too many questions I'm asking here, but you know, yeah, no, I, my, I am my dad's uh, second marriage. I'm a product of my dad's second marriage. He married his high school sweetheart from Cuba and they had two uh, children, my, my two brothers that are twins. Uh, they're nine years older than I am. You know, what's interesting is that I lived in Miami for, so yes, they, they came to the United States in 1960, 1961. I grew up listening all about communism. I grew up listening about Fidel Castro. I, I grew up every day having conversations about politics. And when I moved to North Carolina as an adult, um, one of my first experiences living there, someone asked me where I was from. It was a woman who was at the grocery store who was help, you know, checking out my groceries, like helping me check out and purchase my products. And she asked me where I was from. And I used to get that a lot when I was in North Carolina because it, I don't look like it, I belong anywhere, right? So I'm like yeah. uh, this, you know, darker cut skin color, but then my features are more French. And then like my, you know, it's like everything is all mixed up. And um, when I told her I was from Cuba, at first I said, well, I'm from Miami. And she was, no, 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 where are you from? Like, where are you from? Oh, okay. Like ethnicity or so I told her I was from Cuba and she said, what is that? She had never heard of Cuba. And so really that was the first time in my life that I, that I, I understood that 
you know, as a child, Cuba was everything. It was our conversation all the time, yeah. you know, making it to this country and my parents learning a new language and, and creating a life here, you know, with nothing, right. Leaving everything behind and the struggles that came with that and the importance of family. But then this woman just had no idea, you know, and I'm trying to describe it to her. I'm like, Oh, it's an Island, like South of Miami, you know, South of Florida, you know, and dictator and all this stuff. And it's just going right over her head. And I just didn't realize like the entire world really didn't care <laughs> like what was going on in Cuba though in my entire life it was the only thing that we talked about and those so were your was, roots those were those you know, like, my roots. And they're yeah. still your roots you know like it's 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 um you know like it's it's own base you know like even though you know right. like I, I get it you know like the you know like the the political climate of it or you know like any dictatorship or however you describe this what's going on right now and it's it's you know like we don't have in canada the same relation with cubans that uh, you guys do in the us you know like it's uh, for us it's um it's almost like the the most preferred um south destination for family vacation Um, right. this and the Dominican Republic are two of the best or, or, or the most, uh, looked for, uh, destination in, in, you know, like in, in Canada's traveling when they go down South. Um, and so it's, it's, um, well, I, I understand that, you know, like even, even for, you know, like, so first there's this pretty much barrier of, you know, like pe people in the U S not really, I think what is, is, has the blockage been, um, re re in, restated reinstated by 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 the latest government i actually don't know much about it i know that they removed it i know that they removed the uh policy of uh dry foot it was like what uh dry foot what land or something so that if you touched the actual property the the land of the united states that you could stay i think they reversed that so they've had a lot of reversals um i know a lot of my friends were visiting cuba up until those changes. I have not even been, uh, my children are dying to go. I'm dying to go. Mostly the reason why I haven't been is because my father is still alive and he is, is very raw for him still. You know, he had a lot of friends that he lost during the revolution. He still cries about it sometimes. And I, I feel like it's a little disrespectful for me to go while he's still here on earth with us. Yeah. I, I dot, I dot down everything he says. I Google earth, you know, like the house he lived in. And, um, he was here Wednesday night talking about how he used to sail from, you know, Cuba to Virginia and he used to sail to Charleston with friends. And so, you know, those stories that we, we just jot down now, my, my 20 year old, she's obsessed also with Cuba and the stories that he's sharing. So they're working on a project together to document that. But it's interesting. I, I understand and I appreciate the love that people have for this island. And I crave and I'm sometimes envious that people have experienced the land, you know, one that, that I dream of. I hope to one day visit. But yeah, the stories are just the two perspectives of how people view the island and also the way that people the dark side it of it, the dark really side of it, you know, like it's pretty yeah. much a dark side of it. And I have to be right. super honest with you. I got married there. <laughs> right. Right. You know, like I got married in Veradero. Um, oh my gosh. My family had a hotel there in Veradero beach. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be beautiful water. And Fantastic. Gorgeous. And yeah. we were, we were 20 something people. We had a blast. It was a full two weeks. The first week was actually with, with our guests. The second week was kind of quote unquote, our honeymoon. Um, it's, it's, you know, like that, the, um, if, if you just, 
uh, look at it on, on like the first, you know, like there's, there's like multiple, multiple levels to this, but you know, like the first level or the people are fantastic. They're always smiling. They're super happy. And then right. if you dig just a bit and, and you lift that, that, you know, like that first, not, I, I, I truly believe it's not superficial. I, I truly believe they are, you know, like the, there is happiness inside them, but yeah. the, the, um, that's when you see and you, you quickly have a conversation about, you know, like the lack of resources that, you know, like how, how, you know, like they're having a hard time. And then I'm, I'm super curious by nature. And so I, I tend to ask sometimes too many questions. So I remember one time I was in, uh, we were, uh, we were in Havana and I asked why there were three prices on every item. And the guy said, well, there's the U S dollars, there's the international pesos and there's the local pesos. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, it means that if you pay us, it's much cheaper or almost on par with the international pesos, but the Cuban pesos is almost like 10 times and sometimes 20, 50, hundred times more expensive for us. Wow. And I'm like, okay. He's like, no, 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 you don't get it. You know, like we, we, you know, like that bag of chips here, we can't afford it. And for you, it's peanuts, but you know, like it's for us, this is something we shouldn't have access to. So it's showing wow. a price, but it's, it's, it's so out of reach that, you know, like it's almost unrealistic. It becomes a joke, you know? So I'm like, okay. And, and, but you, 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 if you're curious enough, you can actually go there pretty much with your pink glasses and, you know, I not see that, but you know, like right. I, I totally understand, you know, like the position of your father and, and some of the Cuban, uh, Cubans that have fled the, 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 the place, um, that have like a strong opinion about, you know, like the, 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 the region, um, to this day. And I totally get it at the same time. You just said it, you know, like it's, it's in your blood, you know, like you, you can't, you know, like you, you can't, um, you can't deny this from, you know, like what, what's running in your guts, you know? So it's, it, it must be such a weird dynamic in terms of almost handling your own nature. Right. And it's fascinating because my father will share stories, you know, going to the Havana Yacht Club and, and just the life that they had, you know, he shares this, just a romantic, it was like a romantic vision of Cuba and it only inspires me and it only pulls me more into wanting to be there, you know, even to, to just even the architecture alone and just the people. And I, and I love, I think, uh, Cubans are one of the funniest and happy go lucky people ever. I mean, it's always, you know, good time. You <laughs> know, Like they're always yeah. like, they dance and they just, um, and there's just some sort of, maybe it's an Island behavior almost like where it's just like, everything's going to work out. Things good. And, and geographically, um, Violet, it's a, it's, um, it's a, it's a, an island that's been blessed in the Caribbeans, right. you know, like that, that, you know, like the, way less impacted by, you know, like I'm, I have good, like dear friends that lives in Haiti and, you know, like they, they haven't been so it's blessed. It's a beautiful island. It is, it, it, it was considered the, the pearl of the, you know, like, uh, of, of the Caribbeans, you know, like for so long. And, you know, like they have like a country house, you know, like they, they live in town in Pétionville, but they have a country house, which we visited and we visited them at their wedding. And, um, and it's, you have no idea how beautiful it is. It's just fantastic. But, you know, like they haven't been so blessed in terms of even the, 
the 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 weather, you know, like the, the, with the earthquakes and some of the storms, um, right. they've they've been super unlucky in the past few years. Cuba hasn't been so, you know, like they, you know, like you, you rarely hear about, you know, like a major um, nature disaster. So even even in terms of the um, of the, the geographical aspect of it, you know, like the the island is so interesting and. Um, you know, like funny story. Um, I've asked, um, my, my fraternity sponsor to, which is like a dear friend and, and such a beautiful human being to be part of the, um, ceremony and be kind of the host of the ceremony of my wedding. And so I didn't know that, but, um, on the plane, he turns around and starts speaking fluent Spanish, but just like if he was a local. And, and I'm like, what? Uh, and I ask him, his name is Gaston. I'm like, Gaston, what the hell? You speak Spanish? He said, Alex, when I was, one of my first job was actually to sell vitamin, uh, vi vitamins and, and supplement for, um, for, to help with the breeding of, of the, the cows and the, the horses and, and all that stuff. And it's, wow. a, it, that was his job to actually. And so he said, I met Castro eight times. And so we, we visit, I, I was just blown away. I'm like, really? He's like, Alex, I know the place. He could name me the provinces. He could name me streets. He could tell me whatever this is where and whatever. And so we visit Havana and, uh, which again, you know, like he negotiated the bus drive and the, and the guide and all that, you know, like all in Spanish and kind of played around and negotiating that. And, and so we end up in Havana and, and at, at the, the, the revolt, the revolution place where, you know, like the, the Castro used to do his, his speeches is never ending speeches. And, um, he's like, well, actually th that year I sat right there and he was actually just pointing to somewhere that was like a few feet away from Castro. I'm like, Oh, are, are you kidding? He's like, no, no, no. I met the guy many times. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, like the, I have a, I have a dear affection for that place, you know, so, um, it is interesting to, to hear, you know, like even for someone that, um, you know, like your family has, you know, like, a, you know, like there's, there's probably something on their shoulder about, you know, the, almost a chip on their shoulder of, um, almost frustration, right. not to be able to appreciate the place as much as it could be appreciated. And that's because of, you know, the, what we know about, about the place. Right. So, right. so uh, you know, many people my age that have also parents that are Cuban, you know, they go and they don't tell their parents, right. <laughs> just like, yeah. even though they're almost 50 years old, they just don't tell their parents and they go and they travel and they, and in essence, what it is that they're trying to relive the history that was shared to them verbally through the, through families sharing like, you know, where they used to go and play, what schools they went to. I mean, you know, my father talks about when the revolution happened, how you know, he's a young kid and he's like planning on swimming, right? Like how young kids have like these complete wild expectations and dreams. Like I'm going to swim from, you know, from Cuba to Miami and that's how I'm going to escape. And just having, you know, like just wanting to be a, a part and see all that. So there's a, as they're sharing the stories, and they're upset and angry because they had to, you know, they still are not living the life that they lived as a child. It inspires us of the next generation to just want to touch it and feel it and see it. Yeah. So there's this really bizarre disconnect yet really profound connection. And so you were born uh, in the U.S.? 
I was born in Miami. Correct. Okay. And, and, and so I was, you know, like you talked about, you know, like kind of the, um, difference that you felt, you know, like, so, so I was, you know, like the, the, like your first years at school, um, you know, like the, there is, you know, like there are, there are regions in the U S where we know that, you know, like it's more, it's, it's tougher for, for, you know, like people that are deemed different. Um, how did you feel, you know, like you talked a bit about this, but can you elaborate on a bit on, you know, like the, you know, like finding friends and, and all that stuff, you know, like, was it, was it like challenging? Yeah. So I, I um, I think even just like with my name, I remember like, you know, my, my complete name is Violeta Maria Moreno de Ayala. That's like ridiculously long. <laughs> so it's like a very typical, like Cuban Spanish last name. It has three different last names, you know, like, and, um, I think even just from that being so silly, you know, like changing it so that it's easier for everyone to pronounce is a story of many immigrants. You know, they come to the United States, maybe they came from Italy and, you know, their last name is Italian and then they change it to Miller, you know, like, um, so there are a lot of those stories of people coming to the country and just wanting to assimilate and wanting to be more American. And I think that that was a lot of, of myself, like moving from, you know, being in Miami, uh, there weren't that many Cubans at the time when I was little, I went to mostly American schools. So my name being that long was complicated. And then like moving to Chicago as a little girl also, you know, making it so that it was just Marie. That was my name that people use there because it's just easier than, yep. you know, the whole entire name as I was given as, as a child. Um, so I didn't think like those kind of stories and, and, you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, uh, other stories being told of people that were, you know, Cuban and it just, you just didn't hear that. And I think nowadays the, the beautiful thing about social media and the way that the world is connected, I know there's good, bad, and ugly, but the good thing is that now we can actually see, you know, how other Cubans or other Latins or other immigrants are creating their own life and creating their stories and, you know, embracing who they are and not trying to be like everyone in mainstream, you know, that they're okay being the color of skin that they are, their height or their weight or their religion or, you know, whatever those things are that usually define us or maybe even separate us. I think that that's something that, you know, if I had had those elements in my life as a young girl it would have been easier. But at the time I didn't know anyone who was like my skin color, you know, I mean, my nickname growing up was La, La Magnita, like little black girl. That was my nickname growing up, which is a term of endearment, you know, for human cultures. But not knowing anybody else of that color of skin was, you know, just, you just, I always felt like a little bit different. And, yeah. And, 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 and the beauty of what you just described in terms of, you know, like, uh, uniting people together through, you know, like the, the technologies makes it that you find someone that looks like you, however Correct. you define yourself looking like, you know, like, right. <laughs> you know, like if you define yourself as fat or, you know, like whatever, yeah. you know, like <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is. I mean, I remember like when I was younger, they would, they would say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, what do you want to be? And I, I want to be on Broadway. I had seen Liza Minnelli perform and I was obsessed with Liza Minnelli and you know, my, the, the feeling or someone must've told me because I have it in my mind well, there are no Cubans on Broadway. You know, at the time there there were, now there are, but at the time there wasn't. So clearly you can't be on Broadway. Like, what? Are you crazy? That's not for you. That's for those people. And so growing up with those messages, but nowadays you have, you can read it. So even if someone tells you, 
there are no Cubans on Broadway, you can Google it, you know, Cubans on Broadway. And I'm sure hundreds show up, you know, performers yeah. or actors and producers and screenwriters. And so um, I think that's the beauty now is that I, I know that sometimes social media shows the ugly side of society or the yeah. ugly side of humans, but it can also show and inspire us to say, you know, if that person can do it, that means I can do it. You know, that person opened the door, uh, they made it. Why can't I? And so it, it gives others, I believe, if you, if you look at the world through those lenses, it gives you the ability to actually believe in yourself, regardless of what you've set to be your limitations. You know, whatever you set, like you said, whatever you define yourself as or whatever limitations you've given yourself, it allows you to remove those blocks. And, uh, you know, like besides being a Broadway dancer, what, what did you see yourself becoming when you grew up? I was so Broadway, once they told me, and I did tap dancing for like 14 years, I was going to be the next Liza Minnelli. I was going to be the little brown Liza Minnelli. Uh, when they told me that, you know, I really liked uh, the idea of design and architecture. And again, the stories at the time were like, you, you know, you can't be an architect because there's not enough money in there. And you never support yourself and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I really, I struggled in high school and in college trying to find out what I even liked because the things that I was obsessed about I was told I really couldn't do. And, so trying and, to find that, and that place. I have to ask, what were your parents' aspiration for you? You know, I think because my mother fought so hard with her addiction, also mental illness, I don't really think that that was, I don't really think that that was a, a part of guiding me. I think she was, she was guiding, she was tr struggling to find her own guide herself. Yeah. Uh, in all fairness. And I think my father also was dealing with a lot. So I don't, I don't remember ever having conversations of direction or guidance or mentorship. It was more like, you can do anything, but don't do these things. You know, yeah. uh, you, and can, it, you can do, you know, you have all this stuff, but don't, you know, like these are the avenues you should stay away from. So I think that's what led me to, um, you know, I started my first business when I was 21 years old, 22 years old. Wow. Because I was, you know, I, I liked fitness and I liked, and I had seen other people become entrepreneurs, you know, Cubans, uh, many of the stories of those arriving from Cuba to United States, I think along with many immigrants that they come to the country and then they create something, right? They either go to school or mm -hmm. they create a business. And so that, those are the stories that I heard. So I thought, well, let me do that because that I've seen happen. I've seen Cubans, you know, create really great businesses and that's the route I'm going to take. And that's the way I went. And which is, which is a bit contrary to what we see culturally you know, like, uh, that's why I asked, you know, like you, you see of, you know, like, especially child of immigrants, um, kind of have a drawn path of their career aspiration by the parents, you know, like, right. so, so, you know, like it, it's, it's a bit opposite of that, what you just described, you know, like, which is like, which probably made you even more lost as a teen. Absolutely. And I think also, I think if the parents have guidance themselves, and I think part of, um, My parents getting here and, and again i can only really talk about my dad because my mother was you know she was already struggling with her demons is that you know my father himself you know coming from the revolution losing everything i mean i think it took him a while to get his grounding you know like it took him some time where i think um that was that was probably not the everyday story of immigrants you know i think sometimes they get here and they've heard stories like you need to go to school 
that's where you're going to make the difference. You know, like you need to, you know, do this. So I think a lot of other stories that you hear about the parents are the ones that actually knew the vision because they had heard it from others. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, my parents, you know, um, just entrepreneurship. That's all I heard through, um, having a great grandfather that was an entrepreneur in Cuba. You know, he owned a couple hotels, he owned a Fiat dealership, uh, railroads. So I heard those stories and that, that then gave me leverage to believe in myself in that direction. But it wasn't like, you need to do this because that's what you're going to be good at. It was kind of like, just don't do this. I don't know what you're going to do. You can do everything, but don't do these things. Um, and it worked out, right? Life always works out. Uh, exactly. It fi life finds its way. And so your first, you, you talked about fitness. And so your first, your first enterprise was actually around fitness. It was, it was a personal, I was a personal trainer. Uh, when I was in high school and college, I worked in a couple of clubs, health clubs here in Miami. And I remember when we moved to North Carolina, my husband, uh, was in North Carolina state university. We came to Miami to have our son and then we moved back to North Carolina because he had a job offer. And I remember having that conversation, like, what do I do? Do I put this child in daycare? Um, or do I create a life that's balanced? And it was a, it was a big struggle. I think a lot of new parents go through that, you know, who's going to stay home, who's going to raise, how are we going to balance it all? And I really felt like being a, my own boss, being a small business owner gave me the flexibility to be home with uh, our son. And then of course we had two children after that. I was always pretty much by myself. And so I didn't want to create that life for our children. You know, I'd always have be there for them, pick them up from school, be the parent that's involved. And for me, that meant being a small business owner. I started a um, personal training company, had no idea what I was doing, made every mistake in the book. I was 22 years old. This is before Google or, you know, any kind of online masterclass that you could take. Uh, in a matter of fact, even business books. I don't even remember having access to a really thorough business book that would detail things of like how you can get started. But I reached out to the SBA. I had a friend of mine who worked there and, you know, I, it was so long ago, Alex, that I remember I had to go through this really big book to actually make sure that the name that I wanted to choose for my business wasn't taken in the state of North Carolina. It was like this huge book, probably like two <laughs> feet wide. It was just like thick. And that's how I started. I started that company and I, had balance. I supported the family. I was able to earn money. I was able to be a hands-on mother. And then I got my Pilates certification. Then went ahead and opened up a Pilates studio, had a couple of satellite locations, hired people. So I just eventually like, kept on growing and growing and becoming an entrepreneur. Just It started to get easier and easier as I became more seasoned. Autonomy. You know, like that's pretty <laughs> much what, what it, you know, like you became autonomous. Right. And, and you know, and you self-defined yourself through that initially. Right. Right. How did it transform to what it is today? You know, like the, how do you go from fitness and, you know, a kind of, you know, like lifestyle, which I think, you know, like there's, there's, um, similarities, but you know, like how do you transform and, and evolve that into what it is today? I think the the one thing I've always done is I've gone through the path of whatever feels like a strong alignment to me. And so when I started the personal training, I had already been in that world and I really loved seeing people change their self-esteem, their health, the way that they, they love themselves more when they felt more comfortable in their skin. So I really loved being a catalyst for others to give them that the knowledge and the wisdom and, and just the ability to transform into whatever shape they wanted to be. So then I took that. And then of course, Pilates, 
I started becoming a, I started getting my certification with Pilates because I had three herniated discs and the, the, really the prescription was surgery. And I just truly believed that there was a holistic approach to it versus the surgery. I started studying Pilates. I then became certified. I repaired my back without the surgery. So that then really propelled me into another avenue of fitness where I was healing other people based on, you know, physical form. And, and then when I launched, you know, some city, it's the same thing. It's like, I started doing it for fun. I really felt connection, a connection to it. I felt like I was changing the lives of others. And that's always been really the place that I've always wanted to, to simmer in, to saute myself into is in that place where I'm being of service to others, where I never wanted to be, live a life where it was, uh, non-service based. You know, I will, I always felt like I had this gift that I could help others to be bigger in their life, whether it's through fitness. And I don't mean bigger, like physical form, like bigger in like spirit or bigger in purpose or in service or, you know, to, to live a grander life. I felt like that was the, that's the core of everything I've ever done uh, and felt connected to. And I continue to do that. You know, I, I wake up every day and like, am I doing the work that still feels a connection to me? Is it still in alignment to what I feel my purpose is? And, you know, maybe that will change one day, but for right now, it's been a really great series of businesses that has always enriched me and fulfilled me. And how do you, you know, like I'll, cause you know, like after a few years of doing that, you know, like how do you kind of redesign and rebuild, you know, because there's, there must be, um, you know, like some transformation to be, to be done to, to, to change that, right. You know, like to, to, or, or it, it was kind of a, almost an organic uh, evolution to what it became. Yeah. And I'm glad you used the word evolution because that's, that's really what it is. So when I, when I started Fem City, you know, it was really, uh, it was lunch and it was networking and that was all that it was. And I did that format, that business model for a year or two. And then what happened is that um, Google reached out to us and Google said, hey, we, we really like what you're doing. We'd like to teach some classes for your members. And I thought, well, that's great. I mean, it was like 2009, 2010. They had just come out with Google Circles and Google Hangout and, and the ability to list your business on Google. And that really pivoted us into then adding business curriculum and business programs that were online for our members. And so really the entire, you know, the, the ability to adjust and to edit it's always been part of listening to how I can serve more and listening to the way that the world is going and then being flexible enough uh, to go into that direction and not being like, oh, we're perfect right now. You know, we're great. We don't have to change anything, but it's just always asking like, how can I be better? How can I serve more? Is there something that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Like asking those questions that then naturally lead you to evolve. And I think humans in general are like that, even with everything that we do in our life, you know, we, we evolve continuously. We, we get to new levels of our life and we say, you know what, this no longer serves me. Let me, you know, delve a little bit deeper. Let me start pivoting. Let me start shifting. Where do I need to go to connect, you know, to that greater purpose? So it's a whole, I think the times we get in trouble are when we stop evolving, when we stop asking those questions, when we live life robotically, that's when we start getting like a little bit disconnected from purpose or or our service to others, or even our human connection to one another. Did, in terms of, you know, like the people that have, you know, like that, that you've got as members and, and, and people that joined, um, 
what would you say, you know, be the spark of that change within themselves? I think the biggest thing that I see, and it was always the case, even with my personal training and my Pilates studio, is that humans propel themselves forward when they hear of a story that's similar to theirs, where that person propelled also. So it, it, so an example is that we sometimes have women that come to from city and perhaps they're teachers or they work at a financial institution and they're very happy in life. And they hear a story of another woman who was just like them, but decided to launch a business on the side. And then a year later, they decide to then go full force. And now they're, you know, they've got a couple of locations and so their life has changed. Their life has edited that story. And it's usually shared kind of like, Oh, and by the way, right. <laughs> like, Oh, I just, let me just share it. So those little stories that, you know, they really stand out and they make others awaken. And I think that's really what empowers. I think that's why, you know, storytelling is so important and sharing the truth of the story of the journey. So if you, if you see someone and they're like, Oh, well, I was born rich, never had any problems. My life is perfect. That doesn't inspire anyone. Yeah. But when you say, you know, um, I had a drug addicted mother who was mentally ill, you know, I have lost a lot of money. I've hit rock bottom a couple of times. I've had to rebuild myself. Wow. There's some, there's something of me in that story. There's something of you in that story. And that's where that connection, that human interaction happens, where it inspires others to then look to see where do I, if, if that person can shift up, if that person can move forward, then I can too. And those stories are now more prevalent. I mean, we hear them all the time. Um, I think, you know, that's really what I have seen to be, that's why I always inspire people to share your story. You know, so what if you were on welfare? So what if you lost everything? So what if you were, you know, addicted to drugs? Where are you now? Share that story because it will inspire someone or hundreds of people um, to move forward also because they're, they're stuck as well. And especially, you know, like you, you've just hit it, you know, like the, the, I often talk about like the, the, what happened in the initial foundation of AA, for example, like it's, mm -hmm. it's someone that had like, just, you know, like full on thirst of, you know, like he was actually dry, you know, like not, not drinking, but you know, like he, he was traveling, he was a businessman and was just thirsty of having a drink and found someone that said, don't come to my place. I'm, I'm a, I'm a worthless drunk that you know like that you, you you can't you know like it's it's a waste of time and and they spoke um for and talked for hours um he met with the guy dr bob and bill watson which was the sales guy um and they they talked for hours and drank a ton of coffee and uh realized <laughs> after that that they had no more thirst um right. that they didn't want it they didn't feel like drinking And so, and that's how, um, AA actually got founded. Actually, what's, yeah. that's what the legend says, but you know, like they, there's definitely something into that where, um, 70, maybe 80 years later, um, it is still around relating to someone else, you know, like, how do you find, <clears throat> how do you identify yourself to the pains and the, the, the obstacles and the challenges that someone else is going through and it, it, it kind of loops back to what you, what you said initially, which was, I couldn't find myself or I couldn't sign, I could find someone else like me 
however I would have defined myself at the time, you know, like the, so there's definitely still something around that theme in, in, in your own, uh, venture and company right now. Right. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. And look, and, and look how you, you change. So imagine a world where no one shares any of that. Right. So everyone's kind of like not sharing their struggles or their challenges and, you know, portraying this image of perfectionism and then it doesn't inspire because then people feel even more disconnected. You know, like there's something wrong with me. There's something, yeah. you know, I, I can't change because clearly everybody else is perfect. I'm not. So, um, those stories are really important to share the, the truth of who we are and not to, you know, pretend and to play these parts, like to just be, and like you say, like we define ourselves certain ways and then we get out of that and perhaps we define ourselves a, diff a different way, but uh, generally we get pulled out of that by hearing the story of others. And, and exactly. And as, as a teen, you had a hard time finding someone else that was like you, um, that, that company you have now, does offer that in right. a, in a, in an organized and, and structured way. And so it's, it's beautiful to hear. Um, I know you have a hard stop in a few minutes and I don't want to be, I don't want you to be late to, uh, to whatever you got scheduled. So maybe you want to explain a bit, you know, like in a nutshell, um, and, and tell about, you know, like that, that, Fem City company, you know, like, you know, like where can you, where can people find you? Where can people, um, reach out to you, uh, to, 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 to talk and to find, uh, identify themselves as well to others that are going through either going through or, you know, like are looking for, for peers. Um, yeah. It, uh, thank you so much. And I, I'll even add, even when I started from city, I made sure that the pictures that we posted were women of all different shades of skin color and height and weight. And so I, I didn't want, I wanted whoever came to our uh, events or gatherings, we have 120 something locations. I, I wanted them to feel like they were home. And part of that is showing up and seeing someone that looks or feels or sounds or has that same vibrational level that you do, you know, then all of a sudden you, you feel more comfortable, you feel at home. Um, so you, even on our, on our website, it has that. So really what we do is we help women through personal development and business classes to design and create the life they want. We have 120 something locations. I should count. <laughs> I should count to see how many we have, but <laughs> we have a lot in Canada and uh, a lot in the United States. And we were actually looking at launching in Europe before all this happened. And now we, now we've moved from local gathering. Now we've moved everything to online. We host uh, a lot of online classes. Uh, every Thursday we have three or four live classes with experts. They're all free and part of the membership. And I invite anyone who's interested to head over to femcity.com. We have a 30-day free membership. You can try it out. And I think what makes us so special and unique is that we incorporate a lot of gratitude and positivity and uh, and, and spiritual purpose. You know, we're not we're not so woo-woo, but we do talk about the connection to others and community and how we're all here to help each other. And so for our listeners, uh, any links and any, you know, like any, any, uh, any places that, that Viola just described are going to be found in the description of the podcast episode. So don't worry, you know, like you don't have to, you know, run for a pen and paper. Okay. Um, everything's going to be there. Um, and, and so finally, all I, all I have left is to thank you, Viola, for your time. Thank you for your openness. I think there is definitely something I can relate to in terms of, you know, like the, the, the 
taking your own destiny into your own end, you know, like that, you know, like how do you, um, take charge of, you know, like your own life. Um, and that's, you know, like that, the, the, this is pretty much, you know, like the, the conductor of, you know, like what, what cold Turkey is all about. So thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks awesome. a lot for, for your Thank time. You. And Thank you. Alex. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Take care. Mm-hmm.